0: Uh, You know that we've been doing a series on mountains in Matthew and we we looked at various stories that literally happened on mountains. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Um, And then we rolled into Easter and does anyone remember, oh, here's a test. I haven't got minties. I promise you there are no minties, but it's definitely worth knowing the answer. Um, What did we do after Easter last year? It It was lockdown. We were doing it from our couch at home. We spent quite a, no, that mountains was this year, last year after Easter, good, I get an F, <laughs> Acts, yeah, yes, that's right, yeah, it was Acts. Uh, we, I don't think, you didn't join us much online, did you Julie? No, it's not her favourite thing, so you're excused. Um, she didn't do her homework, but she is absolutely excused. So we talked talked about Acts because it seemed a natural flow on. We talk about Easter, we talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, and then we talk about what happened in Acts. This year is similar but not the same. So this year Alex and I will spend the next four weeks talking about the church. So obviously that will at times involve Acts, but we want to to be discussing church. Now as I thought about church, um, I mean it's such a big topic, isn't it? But what came to mind was laying on our driveway. I was about 20 and our driveway was concealed. It was a big, long, tree-lined driveway, so it wasn't like I was out the front of our house necessarily. Anyway, I'm laying on the concrete, sunbaking, because that's what you do when you're 20. And then at 50, you're getting pieces cut out of you, right? But it seemed like a good thing to do at the time. So I was laying outside sunbaking, it's a Sunday morning and my mum walks out to the driveway and says, are you coming to church? And I just kind of, you know, my eyes were closed, I looked up and I said, nah. (laughs) As only a 20-year-old can, nah. Just nah. And the wisdom of my mum, I was the fourth child, she was pretty tired but... Added to that was just this wisdom that came from age. She said, well, you know what's right. And then she walked away. <laughs> now, I've never forgotten it because it would have been way better if she had have said, you really should go. And then I could have argued with her and I could have said, it's not that important and I could have said, I don't know what I believe anymore. I could have said all of those things because they were all kind of, you know, true in my mind. But she just said, you, you know what's right. And I did know what was right, but why was it right? And so there's a whole lot of questions we can ask around this. What, why is it important to go to church? Why is it important to gather? Is it important to gather? I mean, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I don't want to come up with all the answers. There's a lot of questions and I'm not answering them all today, so don't worry about that. But the questions, what is church? That, that's a big question in itself. What is church? What role does it play in your life, in my life? What role should it play? And, and is church, if we def, try and define it, is it the service? Because we say this is church. Is it the denomination? Took Julie how long? Six months to realise this was a Baptist church. <laughs> she wouldn't have stepped in if she'd known. <laughs> but, but is it the denomination? Oh, there's a story behind that, by the way. But is it the denomination? Is it the building? No, it's not even our building. Is it the people? So we're going to unpack some of that. And, and, and it's really for you to take some of these thoughts away, to keep them rolling around in your mind. And like we talked about last week, there might be more questions out of this than there are answers for you. But wrestle with it. Work with it. Try and figure it out. I suppose the, the most important thing to start with is to note that... This is not. If you come at this with faith, it is not a human construct. Church wasn't a people idea. Church was a God idea. So in Matthew sixteen, we see Jesus talking with his disciples, and there's that that really cool moment where all these people are questioning, "Who, who is this Jesus?" I, Who who are you? Who is Jesus? And Jesus is asking, he's talking about it with his disciples. Some people say you're this, some people say you're that. Who do you say I am? And And Peter says, you're the Messiah. And it was like a drop the mic moment. You are the Messiah. And so straight after that moment, Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Church is God's idea. So, the church is not to be thought about primarily as a sociological phenomenon, although some of that is true, but as a divinely established institution. This is God's idea. And that's important. That's kind of the bedrock that we're going to build these thoughts on. But just as a, as a really brief understanding of where where the church kind of fits in history, um, and again, this is just very broad brushstrokes, but if we look, if you've read your New Testament, if you know anything about church history, you know that, that you know, Jesus died and was resurrected, the church started, people started to gather, people started to come to faith in, in quite big numbers. The church was persecuted, so in small ways, you know, they were misunderstood and perhaps pushed to the side and then they were severely persecuted. That This was, you know, how many kids are in the room? This is, this is horrific death. So we see the church very much pushed to the fringes of society. We see it scattered, we see it growing and we see that the church is a group of people who are known as the way and they are the weirdos in a lot of contexts, but still it grows. This is God's idea. Church is God's idea, and still it grows. And then this weird thing happens around 300 years later where church becomes the norm, where we see Constantine talk about it being acceptable where christianity becomes this very normative thing and where the whole thing in a western context in certain countries of the world i'm not talking the whole world obviously that's way too broad a topic but we see the church become mixed with politics which is turns ugly many times in history we see the church have some power which can be incredible when we see people being helped in extraordinary ways we see this complete shift and we call it christendom it's extraordinary how the church can go from this you are a group of strange strange people that we don't understand to this is everybody everyone's a christian we all go to church there's that expectation so my my grandmother's name was edna And so, in Edna's day, in the 20th century, living in Western Australia, they called each other Mrs. So, Mrs. Derby, where do you go to church? That would have been the question. In my mother's day, the question would have been, do you go to church? Quite possibly yes, sometimes no. In my generation, do you go to church? And then, I don't know, what is it for your, for your generation? Is it not even a topic of discussion? <laughs> What's your star sign? Okay, so that's the spiritual aspect because church is not the go-to for spirituality. So, we've seen this fading of Christendom. We've seen, you know, there's, there was obviously lots that contributed to that. And Paul, I'm not doing history any kind of favours here because it's so broad, but The enlightenment and industrialisation, they all had an impact on it but here we are today standing here in a context where add a pandemic to it, there's a whole lot of people who still went to church kind of out of a bit of a habit who now go, "Ah, I don't know, is it important? So, I'm asking the question, is it still relevant? Is it still important in a post-Christendom world or is it kind of more irrelevant? These are some of the questions that we'll be asking and important questions because if it's not relevant, let's not bother. But if it is relevant, what do we do about that? So we know that in theology, there's lots of study done um, on Christ, on the Trinity, not a lot. It's increasing, but not a lot on church. And so I think that's where we're kind of, there's this misunderstanding of, we talk a lot about what churches should do, but not so much about what church necessarily is. But I just want to briefly look at three biblical images today. We're only actually going to look at one, but I want to mention three, three biblical images and talk through one of them and then say, well, what does that mean for us? Is that all right? We've only, you know, it's another 10 minutes and and we'll wrap it up. It's not, it's not, we're not going deep, deep today, but I think it's important for us to start this discussion about what church is, what church isn't and how we fit with that. So the three images, all biblical. The body of Christ is a way that church is described biblically. So in um, 2 Corinthians 6.16, I will be their God one image second one the body of christ and we'll come back to that one the third one the church is described as the temple of the holy spirit alex can unpack that one i reckon no no not really Um, the temple of the holy spirit with all the power and the fruit of the spirit that 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 brings so today as we look at um, church being the body of christ if you've got a bible there turn to ephesians chapter one and we're looking from verse 15 And it starts, if you're looking it up, I'll give you a second, but it starts for this reason. And what is this reason? Well, that's because these people, the Ephesian church has come to know Jesus as their saviour. So for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What's Paul talking about there? What's his main message? Jesus is the head of the church and you are his body. I am his body. Southern is his body, the hands and the feet of Jesus. But actually, I actually want to read it in another version because... It's quite a confronting passage in some ways and that is absolutely the main message and the one we're focused on but I really feel like this needs to be said in terms of how we understand church. We sit here as a group of people who are kind of in the minority, not poor us, I don't mean it that way, I don't don't think I don't think there's a lot of benefit in going back to Christianity having the kind of power it once had because we can't necessarily be trusted with it, agreed? There are times in history where we haven't used that power well. So I don't think there's any problem with us being on the fringes. But but what I do want us to understand and really grab hold of is that church is God's idea and that we are more important than we think. Church is more important than we then we give it credit for, not in a power sense necessarily, but in a, in a spiritual realm, it's very different to what we see on earth. So I'm going to read Ephesians, the same verses, Ephesians 1, starting at verse 15 from the message. That's why, and remember, because these people have come to know Jesus, that's why, says Paul, when I heard of the solid trust you have in Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The, church, the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with this. It puts things in a spiritual perspective. We are diminishing as in number, in western societies let's not the church is growing exponentially in other parts of the world but in our context the church is shrinking and so sometimes we can think that we're shrinking that there's less value in gathering together there's less value in in who we are and yet this is very clearly telling us that on a spiritual realm it's not that we are on sitting on the fringes we are in the center not because we're extra special but because Christ is in the center and the world happens around Christ I have trouble grabbing hold of that in our current context I feel like I'm standing right on the edge looking in at what everything else the world is doing but but this tells me no you are in the center of with Jesus. The church is crucially, spiritually, powerfully important, even when we can't see it. But I do struggle with it, because it tells me that Jesus is in charge of governments and he's in charge of everything. And I see pain and I see difficulty and I see so much trauma and injustice in the world. And I go, um, really? And I think that's where, yes, we have to wrestle through that and try and understand it. But not just accept it on face value, not just go, okay, well, if you tell me that, if the Bible says that, I'll. Accept. no, no, let's, let's try and work through that. And as, as I reflected on it this week, I think about that whole concept of the kingdom and about the kingdom being now and about being not yet about the kingdom being Jesus ruling and reigning, and yet we're not there yet. And to follow that through, we in the church are part of the the solution to bringing the kingdom here on earth. That's our task. it's about the people who are being reached and helped and loved. And when Carol, 20, oh, she's out there, she's still working. When Carol has been doing 20 years of catching up with people in the shop, it's not about the baby clothes that she gives away, although it is. It's about sharing the, the love, the salvation, the, the acceptance, the grace of Jesus to the wider community. Please don't hear from this, oh, I'm not doing enough because that's not what I'm saying. We are the body of Christ. The arms, the legs, the feet, the eyes, the heart. And even if you sit here week by week and you don't get boots and all involved, I am not saying, well, you're not a very good member of the body of Christ, are you? You're that thing that dangles at the back of the throat that doesn't do anything. Or the gallbladder that you can live without. That's not you. If you're sitting here and you're not doing something, that doesn't make you any less a part of the body of Christ. Because we are all the heart, the mind, the hands, the fingernails, we are all an important part of the body of Christ. And I'm not just talking Southern now, I'm talking way wider than that. And I look at Kaz and Lindsay and Mandy at YD and all that they're doing in tear and in youth dimension, you know, being the legs going out. There is so much that we can do, that we have done, that we will continue to do because And this is my main message, we are actually important. There are times when we just go, "Ah, are we though? We're standing on the fringe, but no, we, we actually are. And I'm at Shared Cup in Donnybrook and we had raisin toast and coffee together and she has given full permission for me to tell this story. So I could tell you a billion stories and you could tell me a billion back, I know that, but I just want to focus on one as we kind of wrap up this thought. Um Hanalee and her family, very young family at the time, were living in South Africa and life became very dangerous for them and one incident one night, they just drew a line in the sand and said, we have to leave here. So um, Nico, her husband, um, packed up, the little that he had because you could only bring a suitcase, travelled to Australia and came a month ahead of Hanalee and the two small children. So he is in a new country. He speaks Afrikaans and, some, and, and English, but he's standing in a supermarket one day speaking Afrikaans, I presume, on the phone because he literally knew no one and someone overhears him and she says, look, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, I speak Afrikaans and I go to Wallen Gateway Church and do you need any help? And he said, well, actually, yes. How humbling is that? How humbling is it to be the body of Christ? How humbling is it to be receiving from the body of Christ? But within a week, he had a place to live. And then when Hadley came out, you know, they couldn't even bring toys because he couldn't pack them and they couldn't bring all of their clothes. They had no furniture. Anyway, they have a house to live in. They have, she said, really awful couches, but they were functional. Someone gave them cutlery, glasses, crockery, toys, everything they needed to build up this house, that's the body of Christ at work, no one, the person who handed over four forks didn't feel like they were acting as the body of Christ but they were absolutely acting as the body of Christ and then Nico got a job, Um, he had health insurance with that job but for, uh, and I can't remember the full extent of the story but for whatever reason the health insurance stopped and they weren't yet on Medicare. And then Nico was diagnosed with leukaemia and that continued a whole other realm of the body of Christ helping this young family get through one of the most traumatic moments of their life saying we don't know how we're going to do this tomorrow. And as they're about to inject chemo into Nico's arm, they're saying now we're going to give you this anyway but this is $30,000 worth of medication. Have you got Medicare yet? No, so they were living constantly on the brink and yet always with this body of Christ standing behind them, around them, in front of them, saying, we're here for you. That's you and me. If it's four forks, it's made a difference to someone's life. It's, it doesn't have to be big, but we are built and existing as the arms, feet, eyes, ears, and Jesus is at the centre. That's just a starting point for our series on the church. I don't want you to walk away guilty from any of these talks. You might be doing a lot, you might be doing a little bit, you might feel like you're doing nothing. That's not the point of this. The context might not allow for much. Your context might allow for nothing, but you are still the body of Christ and we are important Because Ephesians assures us that we are at the center with Jesus as the head. Let's pray as we finish. Father God, we are dumbfounded that you would choose us. We are humbled to be important, we are ready to do your will to be your hands and feet, to Eltham, in our workplaces and schools. God, we don't see a huge amount of power or value in our own right and yet you have called us together as a body of believers and so we give ourselves to you afresh. We say, do what you will, use us as you want And as we look at the fact that you are at the centre and therefore we are at the centre, we don't want that to ever be a grab for power, but rather a platform and an opportunity to bring hope to the world. Help us to do that, we pray.